What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Welcome to the return of Meet the Press Slam here on a Wednesday night during Dynamite, but I am fantastically talking to a fr- to a new friend of mine. He is a five-star match game winner, um, recently five-star match game winner of the 2000 independent scene, which we will be delving into. And you can find his work at kevin-ford.com, formerly of PW Ponderings. He is Kevin Ford. How are you doing, Kevin? Hey, man, I'm doing great. Thanks so much for having me. I'm glad to be uh back kicking off this show for you yeah I, yeah i i really thought of you when when you, you were doing the five-star match game i was like listening to that and i was cracking up at all the references <laughs> i was cracking up at all the references because um just to give some reference point i'm from philadelphia and like like even though i was only like 13 14 years old when a lot of the late 2009 independent scene was happening. Um, a lot of that stuff sort of, sort of trickled into my knowledge early on as a fan. So, so it really influenced me as a fan. Um, some of my first wrestling shows were Shakara shows. So, so yeah. Yeah, that's a lot of my my bread and butter. Is that is that era? I. I didn't get into the independence till later 2000s, but I went back and I watched a lot of that stuff and took it all in. It really like consumed my wrestling fandom at that time. Yeah. So when did you become a fan? Of just wrestling in general? Just wrestling in general. And then we'll talk more about like the independence and stuff like that. So starting when you became a fan uh, at first. So I was a really young kid when I got into wrestling. Nobody in my family was into wrestling. Um, But my brother was very much into video games. And when I was a kid, when we go out, uh, my my mom, like we'd go out to like the mall or something on weekends. My mom would go off and do her thing. And my dad would take my brother and I places. And my first introduction to wrestling was the WrestleFest arcade game. Wow. Uh, When I was young, my dad would tell me like I would just be looking at the screen so transfixed on you know, the ultimate warrior demolition legion of doom, all these characters, like, what is this? Um, and then later, uh, my, I remember my mom bought me the Roddy Roddy Piper Hasbro action figure. And I discovered somehow my grandparents place on like a preview channel preview for Royal Rumble 1994, where they were running through all the participants. And it was that same thing of like seeing these images of like, crush the head shrinkers and like who are these characters and they had a that video where like the undertaker is building yokozuna's casket oh so yeah like, that video is so legendary of the undertaker building that promo is so great yeah and i'm just like what is this it's so crazy so i was just watching it over and over again and then just a couple weeks later i you know my dad or whoever for me found raw and that's the rest is history been watching ever since yeah for me I came into it, I'm a little younger than you. I'm 26. Mm. So I came into it around 2005. So the first heel I hated was JBL. Um, And rightfully so, given given all the controversy he has. But but he was the first heel I hated. First guy I really loved was Eddie Guerrero. it, it sort of was the first time of like fandom, like becoming like a fan was, I I always gravitated to like the athletic guys because I always came from a sports background and I love sports. Um, I could rattle off all the, all the sports page. It was, it was at the end of that era. So I was reading sports pages and stuff like that. I watched sports center. I love 2005 WWE. I think like new generation, because that's when I started, is like always going to have a soft spot in my heart. Like 
92, 93 to like 97 is my favorite, but I adore that era of WWE as well. So yeah. that's, it's one of my friend's favorite eras. So like, I feel like I can completely understand your age coming into it and seeing that and getting a fan. Cause I think it's so great. It's still that era where like everybody had a really defined character. There's a really good mix of, of wrestling with story. Uh, I, it doesn't get the love I, it deserves. I think. I agree. Honestly. Um, it, it feels like it gets a little bit of the shaft um, in terms of the eras that it is in because it was post Monday Night War and it, no, not as many eyes were on it, you know. And, you know, it's hard for me to understand that because this is the era I got into it. A lot of people fell out of wrestling at that time, of course. Yeah. But for me, this was the time where I was becoming very much involved with with the fandom, like 05 to 07, um, especially. Yeah, like that early 07 and like late 06 period is like was like my freshman year of college when I found friends in college. We'd watch the pay-per-views and watch like Raw's each week and stuff. And so like that to me is a very sweet spot too. But I genuinely think there's, so a lot of really great stuff in that time like if you go back to like that early 07 period and you watch like from like the tv after new year's revolution through like judgment day or like backlash is like such such a great current time period wwe stuff yeah yeah i i really like that new year's revolution with when edge won the uh money in the bank cashed in the money in the bank cena and then and cena was just pouring blood um one of my favorite matches from that era actually was seeing the jbl i quit match yeah oh yeah that you talk about violence yeah talk about bleeding buckets both of them blood buckets that night and it was stark to me like how much that era has an influence on my fandom you know I think that's to everybody. It's like kind of what you what you grew up with and stuff kind of colors your fandom forever in some ways. Yeah. Yeah. So how did you find independent wrestling, which would which would on uh, obviously create everything you've done since? Yeah, I think the first time I really knew about it was I was so into wrestling figures when I was a kid and I would go to like the wrestlingfigs.com message board and look at customs and stuff. And I would see people making customs of these wrestlers I never heard of. Samoa Joe, Reckless Youth, Low Key, um, right. like a Steve Carino. And I was like, I haven't seen him in years. What's he up to? Um, and then the first moment I remember of significance someone posting about was Austin Aries winning the Ring of Honor world title. Because at that time, Samoa Joe had been champ for like 20 months, 21 months, whatever it was. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. Uh, and just kind of reading about it and then at that time ring of honor had put out a few of their first shows to like buy at retail like your suncoast videos sam goodies coconuts and so i went i found the first ring of honor show and bought it and i was like and that main event especially i was like this is wrestling like i've never seen before and because and i was a high schooler i didn't have a job or anything so it'd be a couple years later when i was in college and somebody on the F4W message board was just giving away like a stack of Ring of Honor DVDs. And I was like, I'll take them. I was like, Death Before Dishonor, Final Battle 03, a couple other shows. And I was like, whoa. And then that's when I really started looking into more of the current ROH at that time, like the Milestone series that come out with like the first, uh, like their first ECW Arena show, their first WrestleMania weekend. That was a big deal, mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. And then I, that really hooked me in uh, to independent wrestling. And then it was just... When you go into the message board and stuff about that, that's when you learn about PWG, Chikara, you know, CCW, those companies. And so, like, ROH was sort of the gateway drug into finding out about everything else. Yeah, I think ROH was my gateway drug, honest. I think CCW was my gateway drug, to be completely honest, because um, I I think every independent fan has that deathmatch phase where they're amazed by the deathmatch. Like, whoa, this is actually happening in a wrestling ring. I had it very early on. So my mom had a boyfriend at, at the age of, like, 14. Um, 
like my parents got separated and stuff like that. So we don't need to go into that. But she had a boyfriend who introduced Torrance into our house. Oh boy. <laughs> so I crashed a couple computers downloading wrestling torrents. And but I found Extreme Wrestling XWT at the time. Mm. And let's say I I absorbed a lot of wrestling through torrenting at the time because I was a, I was just a 14 year old kid. I was just a 14, 15 year old kid. I, I didn't know. I didn't know that you could buy this stuff. And and I didn't discuss it with anyone on the boards or anything like that. I just I just called into like this wrestling show called Wrestling Soup and Don Tony and Kevin Castle and I've heard of the Declaration of Independence um late stage too so that was really my introduction to indie wrestling so starting watching like CCW and Chikara and Ring of Honor early early on was definitely an influence and then the thing that influenced my Japanese watching was Masao's death and everybody saying Masao was the greatest of all time and I'm like who the hell is Masao Masawa's death actually happened on my 21st birthday, so oh, I remember that day very well. I, I, there, coincidentally, there was a Ring of Honor show the day before Manassas, Virginia, which is like 10 minutes from my house. So I was there with some friends, midnight hit, celebrated, um, and I think it was like waking up the next morning and learning that Masawa was dead, and you're like, whoa, holy crap. Um, wow. And then, and like they mentioned on that Ring of Honor show in New York City that night, uh, and like, I remember, like, hearing Chris Hero talk about it because he was in Noah, like, he was in the building that night and hearing him talk about it and, like, you know, see, uh, it's, it's it sticks in my memory so clearly that uh, how vividly that was. Um, and I'd really only known about Japanese wrestling through the guys I had seen in ROH at that time, Kenta, right. Marafuji, uh, Morishima, Goshiyazaki. Uh, but that did get me to check out, like, I remember in 09, especially, like, there was two matches, Kenta and Katsuhiko Nakajima had that were incredible. Um, yeah. And I, of course, seen the Kobashi and like Misawa ROH matches too. But yeah, it's a, that's interesting that like his, that does happen though. You hear the, the story or something like that and you're like, what is this? And then you look into it and that leads to one thing or another. Um, like someone a few years ago had an article about uh, how like a lot of, wrestling today like some of the moves that we know of were innovated by like the all japan women of the 90s right and that's how i learned about megumi kudo and became a huge fan of hers and watched some of her stuff and it almost was like that deathmatch thing because there were a couple of them were like those exploding deathmatches and stuff but you're like something just about it being you know a smaller japanese woman and a larger japanese woman in that environment you're like whoa this is insane can't keep your eyes off that Oh yeah, yeah. Those FMW exploding death matches, those those things. You couldn't keep your eyes off it. Wait, like early early YouTube was the wild wild west. Yeah, people well, just, people don't even know. <laughs> and I just have that image of like her retirement match against Shark. Oh, I forget how to pronounce her last name. But like her students or whoever like covering her backstage still with like water and stuff because she was burning and like her speech and seeing uh, Onita come in is like that is stuff is such like burned into my brain because of like the music and the way it was shot. It's 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 nuts to think about. Yeah. And like like there's some images that will stick with you forever in wrestling. Yeah. It's weird like the because it's it's weird because some of the image some images are obvious and then some of them are not so obvious. Yeah, there's like the shared ones, like you know the Austin bleeding and stuff. But then we all have your own individual ones from, depending on what you're doing at that time or who you were with, just th those different moments impacting you. Like one of the one of the um, moments that will stick with me forever is. Watching Kenny Omega win the G1 in the Poconos, I, I was like, I, I was like, I've been waiting to watch this match versus Naito, 
and I'm like, I'm like, man, if Kenny doesn't win or Naito doesn't win, I don't know who's going to win, but I watched that match on a computer in the Poconos. I had a New Japan World subscription at the time, and boy, I wasn't disappointed. Did you stay up and watch it, or did you, like, get up first thing the next day and watch it? Got up first thing the next day. I didn't. I avoided avoided spoilers. Yeah. Yeah, that's what you have to do with a lot of those, like, New Japan shows. Like, if you really want to avoid spoilers, like, Wrestle Kingdom morning, it's like, all right, I'm going to wake up and watch Wrestle Kingdom, and then when it's done, then I can go on Twitter or whatever else. Yep, yep, exactly. Same with G1 or whatever else, yeah, for sure. Yeah, and... Those G1, those G1, like, like the big turning point for me, 2011 was a turning point for me as a wrestling fan because of the whole punk, summer of punk thing. Sure. But also 2013-2014 New Japan Pro Wrestling. Big, big. And that was, that was still the Ustream time in 2013, wasn't it? Yeah, 2013, yeah. I was following following it through Jamal's channel on uh, on Daily Motion. Oh, okay. Because Jamal was posting posting was like after the fact posting on the matches on his Daily Motion, and I just was floored the first time I saw Shibata and Ishii. You can't beat that stuff. Yeah, like I, I remember watching Shibata and Sakuraba from Wrestle Kingdom 9 and just being like, holy shit, this type of wrestling exists. Yeah. It's nuts. Yeah. Um, and, but man, like you talk about, so like I didn't, I was, you talked about going through computers. I was terrified of doing torrents in college and stuff for that reason. So I was legitimately buying like all the Ring of Honor DVDs and stuff and that eventually like you have to make your choices of, okay, I'm going to, what am I going to watch or whatever else? But like those people who would upload stuff like today to like daily motion or like Billy Billy or whatever, these other websites are like, man, you think about how there's a handful of people, even going back to like tape trading days or the people who uploaded stuff to either torrents or these other websites and things. And it's like, yes, you're costing the company money, but how many of those people through word of mouth or, other things really helped a lot of these promotions grow. Um, so it's so interesting to think like if, if that if that person or whoever decided not to upload this or ha- put it or record it off their television and, and pass it around, it's like the, what events or what wrestlers or matches or whatever wouldn't be the stuff of legend they've grown into. Right. I, I, I agree with that wholeheartedly. wholeheartedly. I don't torrent anymore because I have the means to wrestle I have the means to financially supplement my wrestling habit. For sure. Well, and thank but, God for stuff like IWTV and the High Spots Network and all these other things. Like, those are such a boon to to getting yeah. more eyes on independent wrestling and stuff. Like, there is part of me that's so glad that stuff wasn't around when I was in college because I would have been in big, big trouble. But I would be in big, big trouble too. Yeah. But for finances and just having all that stuff archived, like it's a beautiful thing to have those services now. We take like that. There's people out there who are just getting into indie wrestling who don't know any different. But for us who do, it's hard not to to to. We won't take it for granted. I should say. Right, right. I was at the last stage of that, like mega upload. <laughs> like how, how, like how. Like how how did computers survive? Like, like I I don't know. I I, I didn't destroy more computers. <laughs> but but going to shows is another thing that was early was an early on influence. Um, in high school, I went to a couple Chicago shows. Um, didn't really have a community to go with, so my dad took. And my dad is not a wrestling fan. Mm-hmm. And, and so my first first um, wrestling show, Shikara show, I went to. But my first overall wrestling show I went to was a SmackDown in 2008 that I'm going to actually be talking about 
between the sheets. In a, oh, nice. In a few months after the Great American Bash. But, oh, wow. But I went to King of Trios Night 3, 2010. Okay. Yeah, I was there for that. The BVK one. Mm-hmm. Yep. I was there all three nights. Uh, that's interesting. So what did your dad think? Because I feel like Jakar is actually a really good company for non-wrestling fans. But I also think there's a certain personality that would go into it and either be like, what the heck is this? Or they would be more embracing of it. Even He's more like, what the heck is this? Okay. And, yeah. and it, it was more silly and more, especially Shikara at that time. Yeah. Um, but but the heat was there. It, it, it was a good final, too, because it was Brutishaft and Colony. Mm-hmm. Yep. And Colony are the ultimate baby faces <laughs> in that company. Yeah. Well, and BDK was just running roughshod at that time. Um, oh yeah yeah that was a yeah I'm trying to think it was like kingston versus christopher daniels yes yeah that was a good that was a pretty good year i i was legit mad that bdk won because i was just like tired of seeing them winning but you know it's one of those things once you get some distance behind it or you see the whole story play out you can you can see better than what they i would talk on the whole story playing out <laughs> oh boy yeah your goal oh the shutdown yeah for sure but i i remember going to high noon that was my second and last shikar event i went to i've been to the two of the more prolific shikar events of, of shikara's history yeah high noon was huge that was their first high pay-per-view yeah I, was there. I didn't even i didn't even i didn't even know like i had to see a punk t-shirt on like 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 I, I went because the card looked good, and you know the young bucks were on mm-hmm. there. Um, versus, I think it was oh, Colony. That would that was the Colony, yeah. Well, that was the that was the really great thing about Chikara with that pay per view is, um, you know, Chikara were the first people to bring the young bucks to the East Coast because at the time it was they were the bucks were just doing PWG. And they brought him in for King of Trios 09 with Generico as their partner. And they had wisely sort of made, at that time, the Bucks, Generico, and Cabana were like extended family members of Chikara. Like they weren't there every show, but they were ingrained into storylines. They were on enough shows where they felt right. like semi-regulars. So when the pay-per-view came, and at that time, like Generico, Bucks, and Cabana are also big to non-Chikara fans. So to have Generico versus Jigsaw, Cabana versus Archibald Peck, and then the Bucks versus the Colony was a really great way. I remember to get the Archibald to... Peck gimmick. Like, oh, uh, so great! Archibald. So it was a, <laughs> so it was a great, so it was a great way to have these four guys who were popular to non Chikara fans to try to get them to come to the shows, buy the shows, whatever. But they were in the Chikara tapestry enough, where for the Chikara fan, it was still very satisfying to have them on the show. Like it didn't feel out of place at all. Right, and. And like the Young Bucks lost that night, to the Colony, and they had Marty Janetti on at the corner. <laughs> that that that's funny. Yes, you're right. That was that show. Um, Cole Cabana did the Archibald Pack Green Ant, who is I don't know who was under the Green Ant thing that night. Be Tersus in the ultimate, um, in the ultimate David versus Goliath because Green Ant was the rookie. Mm-hmm. Well, that they had done that that summer. They did that Lex Express storyline with it too, if you remember. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the match before that was Sarah Del Rey defeating, whipping Jacob Hammermeyer's butt. Mm-hmm. Yep. Icarus, who I got the chance to interview. It was a strange interview, but nonetheless, I got to interview that man. Um, Everyone I know who knows Icarus says he's a very weird guy. I've only ever talked to him about Lost, the TV show, so I can't say much more of it. I can't, I can't confirm or deny that. Defeated Gregory Iron. Spectral mm-hmm. Envoy defeated BDK. This is the show where BDK gets their butts finally whipped because Claudio yes. got signed. And then Eddie Kingston with Tommy Dreamer defeats Mike Quackenbush um, with... And Eddie Kingston cuts them. 
<laughs> One of the best promos in pro wrestling history. Yeah, it was pretty awesome, and that's that was the the introduction of the Grand Championship, and he was he was for sure the guy to win it. Yeah, it's so it's so funny to see like Eddie Kingston on my television every week, and I'm like, I saw him, I saw him in Chicago, man. That's that's the beautiful thing about independent wrestling because I did I did some commentary for a, a local wrestling group Nova Pro for years while they were around, right. and I was and I would always tell people like, you know, come to these shows and see these people live like, and you get to meet them like we had, you know, we've had your Jordan Grace, Jonathan Gresham, Wheeler Yuta, we had uh, MJF come in, uh, all of this. Same with Monster Factory. Yes, with Monster Factory. I've so all this before AEW, <laughs> and it's like you get people being like, oh, my gosh, I remember when I, you know, oh, MJF is in the main event of this pay-per-view. I, I got to see him in a tag team match down the road and get a picture with him, you know, for 10 bucks or whatever. Uh, and it's just this cool connection. You can you get that kind of sense of pride or whatever. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. You'd be like, yeah, I remember. I, I you know, I, I was there when they were when they were trying to make it, and now they've made it, and I feel that deeper connection to them. Right, and whether it's WWE or AEW, I, I've seen people making them both companies, and especially in a juggernaut school like the Monster Padre, it's like, like and another and another and another, as Eddie Kingston would say. Mm-hmm. It, it 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 it's so humbling to be a part of that because it's like, like, like obviously Monster Patrick's track record is next to none, even before Danny took it over. Man, yeah, they've had a reputation forever, and everybody who's been a part of them speaks very highly about them. Yeah, yeah. So I, I'm glad that I got to be wedding. You know, mm-hmm. I'm just some schmuck. You know, <laughs> but, 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 like the independent, like the independent wrestling doesn't leave you. That's the that's the part that I want to say. The independent wrestling does not leave you. What do What do you mean by that? Like, like going to shows, going to doing the grind like that doesn't leave you like if you're a wrestler or if you're a fan um like going to those shows being a part of something that's ultimately greater than yourself you know yeah that's it's like uh it, it's almost like the show is this weird it's almost like the show itself like it's almost like the least important part yeah uh, it's the journey to get there. It's the experience you have. It's the feeling you have. And then everything kind of surrounding it, that, that means the most. Yeah. It's a, how many Chicago shows have you been to? I want to say, if you're counting King of Trios at, as a, each individual night, I want to say I hit about 50 shows in total. That, that's impressive. Because I had kept the list of them for a while. Because I was doing King of Trios every year since like 2009. I missed two years. One year I was sick, and the other they were in England. Um, oh yeah, that that King of Trios. But then it was a matter of like, all right, I can pop up to you know I, I'm you know where I am the East of Burino is like a three hour drive away. So I was like, all right, maybe I can pop up for like, oh hey, I really want to see Cibernetico. I'm going to pop up for that. Right. Or just like, hey, this happens to be a free weekend. Can I get a couple friends together to go up? Sure. Let's go up for the guy pay-per-views. Oh, they're running Baltimore. We'll go there. Oh, my buddy in Chicago wants me to come visit for a weekend. Well, how about we make it this weekend? Um, like I happen to be doing WrestleMania weekend the two times they were they were part of like WrestleCon the one year and the collective the other year. So uh, and then they did uh, the Richmond area of Virginia a couple of times. Actually, I'm sorry, I did three uh, like WrestleMania weekends because I forgot they did Orlando that one year. And then there's little things like they did Anniversario in 2017 in Hellertown. And that was a building I had seen a million times on DVD. But by the time I was going to shows, they had stopped running there. So I was like, all right, I got I to gotta, I gotta make that show just so I can say I've been part of history. So um, looks like 42. I was looking at my list, 42 shows overall. I got a chance to go to with King of Trios 2019 being the last shows I attended. Yeah, yeah. 
and and some of those shows are the times of your life, you know? Yeah. Oh, for sure. Like some of those weekends are memories I'll have with friends that'll last the rest of my life. Yeah. So though the company may not be belly up. <laughs> and it, it it and it sucks like when when it happens. Mm-hmm. You know. Um you still have those memories, man. Yeah, and that's you know, I, there's a, I, there's people out there who I understand like they, they don't want to watch the car anymore, support it. And like I can, I can understand that, and I don't begrudge anybody who can do that. But my thing is, is like, you know, whether it's here or not, or whatever those reasons may be, like I'm not going to let that sour the positive memories I have, or the good experience I have, and, and have that taken all away. So, the fact that it's all there at IWTV, and I've still got my my collection of DVDs just popping and, and remember those uh, shows at that time. Like the, Jakar is a, is a huge part of my fandom. And I would say the majority of my wrestling acquaintances I've met online, like that's, that's my identity to them as like the Jakara guy. Um, yeah. So that's, that's something that I think will always be like associated with myself online for better or worse forever and ever. Right. Right. And for me, for me, and I, I, I'm just, um, it it doesn't even matter what I am at this point in the wrestling community because because I've made so many good friends. I've talked to so many good people. Um, I've gotten to talk to like your your Alan Cunahan. Your I've gotten to talk to wrestlers. I've gotten to talk to some of the greatest pundits that have ever talked about wrestling. You know. And those are the memories I have, you know? I don't take that light. Right, and you think about, isn't it crazy to think, like, Alan lives in Ireland. You and right. him, like, would, would have never talked or ever had any reason to talk if it wasn't for pro wrestling. Right. Right, and Alan's just such the sweetest guy. I, he was the first guy I thought of because he's such the sweetest guy. And he had me on his pro wrestling paradise, and he didn't have to do that. I was like, I was like, oh, I feel, I, I feel like I'm the least named guest ever to be on a Pro Wrestling Paradise show, but hey, I got to be on a Pro Wrestling Paradise show. He was somebody who I had talked to him online a handful of times, and then I just so happened to run into him and his partner, Sarah, uh, when uh, at a couple DGUSA shows in Miami, because they happened to come in for that WrestleMania weekend, and I was there too, and this is like, my Dragon Gate fandom was at a fever pitch and he's a huge Dragon Gate fan too. So I said, hello. And we got this out to sit with each other and experience that show together. Uh, and man, it's hard to believe that was 10 years ago now, but I'll remember that. I'll always remember like that Dragon Gate show, the USA show where El Generico returns as a surprise that Alan was, was next to me when that happened and how such a cool moment that was. Uh, yeah. yeah. He's, he's a great dude. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like, I'm talking they get talking talk to so many good people and and it's the people you meet that is the experience of wrestling all, all, all over like 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 i've been to like about 50 i'm not not 50 but at least 30 monster Bradley shows and at this point i i feel like they treat me like family and and you know the guys know me and like treat me with dignity and respect and that's the thing i i work for in a community absolutely i mean that's the stuff that matters that's what matters in just life right amen Fuck wrestling yeah yeah not just wrestling <laughs> life you know yeah you know and like it's hard to believe it's just hard to believe i've been a fan for coming up on 20 years 2005 2022 yeah close to it i'm putting in those years man (laughs) yeah we got that uh we got that disease if you want to call it that oh we do got that disease big time and you're you're reviewing a lot of current wrestling yes some yes um oh go ahead 
So it it is what it is. I, I have dynamite on in the background. I, I love dynamite. Um and like like I love like how like like it, I don't think it's perfect, of course. But it re-energizes the feelings. Sure. Um yeah, that's you know, that is something that I find very off-putting about a lot of wrestling with stuff is like treating it like partisan politics or sports teams or whatever yeah yeah um, and it, and it really like like my it to me it's one of those games where like the only way i can win is just not participate um so that's why a lot of the stuff i've covered is like uh was like ring of honor like during the pandemic when they came back with the pure tournament i really dug that and i and i hadn't really when I moved, I didn't have cable television anymore. And when I did, our local channel would show the Ring of Honor television show at like 1 a.m. on Sunday or something. So I DVR to catch it in the morning or whatever. But it had been a couple of years since I'd kind of lost touch with Ring of Honor. Um, but now they had it on their website easily available. And I was really interested in the Pure Tournament. I rediscovered it that way and really fell back into it. Um, I, like I was, I, you know, I'm, you being a New Japan fan and stuff like, and an AEW fan, like you remember that end of 2018 where they had that massive exodus of all the all elite guys. Yeah. And it was like, how are they going to do it? But man, they really restocked the shelves with some really excellent people. Yeah. Um, and it took some time, but they, it seems like they really started figuring things out. They finally, after all this time, got a really good women's division together. Um, and then it went on hiatus and we'll see what the future holds. But that was something that uh, really recaptured my attention. The pandemic was that. And then sort of the same thing happened with New Japan because they had their U.S. branch at that time. And, you know, they were making great leeway in the U.S. And then the pandemic happens and they had to sort of uh, and out of that birth, this TV show strong, which at first was you know, close crowds and all that, but that introduced me to a lot of the LA Dojo people. And there was a lot of people that I had become a fan of the indies that were going through there, like your Brody Kings, your Greshams, your Yudas, those guys. Um, and I really like the format of that too. Part of that, I think for both of them too, is that like they're one hour shows once a week. So yeah. it doesn't ask a lot of your time. It doesn't uh, take up a lot of it. So for me to follow that. Um, it's and easier than a Two hour show plus a one hour show and then two YouTube shows on the side. I don't even totally. watch YouTube shows or right. AEW. It's like, it's like uh, yeah, right. Well, you know, and it's 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 even if you're a, you know a, a big fan of the company, it's like you know you have you have light. There's other things you're interested in. There's you know you got to work, you got to sleep, you got other things in life that are just a priority. So you just have to make those decisions. Um, and so for me, it was like, it was pretty easy to keep up with the two, two, you know, two hours a week, plus a pay-per-view or special here and here and there. Um, and that for me was like the current stuff I was, I was digging the most. Um, and it was something that was episodic. So reviewing it kind of made sense. And uh, yeah, and it keeps kind of my, my writing skill sharp and things sharp like, like that. And on occasion, I can pop in a Ring of Honor compilation if I feel nostalgic and take care of that too and have it housed in one place. Right, man. Amen. That's what it's all about. That's what it's all about, man. You know, just keep on trucking, man. Yeah. And that and that was the other thing too. Is like you know I lost Chikara in the summer of twenty twenty two. So I was like, all right, well, what now? And after a few months, that's when Ring Water came in. So I was able to like give myself a little bit of a respite, get my head clear, and then. So that kind of came along and it was like, here's the thing to fill that void that suddenly had, had, had come in that I was not expecting. Yeah, it's just, you can't expect, like, things happen and they happen for a reason, you know? Yeah. And like you said, it's, it's rolling with the punches. Exactly. And I feel like I've I've been rolling with punch for the past year, you know. You know, I've gone with wavering things in my fandom and stuff like that. I, you know, I deleted the Twitter app for a month, <laughs> and that was so refreshing because I felt like I didn't have to be on anyone's opinions or anyone's stuff. You know. Yes. Yes. And I now I take that with me, 
as I, I don't get so invested in that. I, yes, I think that is, uh, there's, there's a, there is a good thing of like having this communal thing of like Twitter where, hey, everyone, like, hey, Dynamite's on, let's all watch it and tweet about it. But then there becomes like this, maybe you feel compelled to tweet about it when you don't want to, or maybe you just don't have a take about something and that's okay. Like, um, like uh, as a video game person, I, I would go to Giant Bomb for reviews and stuff and follow those people. And there's somebody who ended up leaving the website to have a career change. And a lot of it was just sort of like, he's like, I was kind of tired of just having to have takes on everything. Like, you know, if I was doing the, which, you know, it, it's hard to do if that's your job and you're on a podcast every week talking about stuff, but yeah, like it, it can get exhausting. So um, I think it's, it's okay to recognize that and just be like, you know, maybe I will take Twitter off my phone or my iPad or whatever for, for a while and just, just enjoy it on your own. I think that's plenty okay too. That's why I sort of gravitate towards classic wrestling and more like, older wrestling when I did because I was like so sick of the territorial stuff and the territorial stuff with the WWE versus AEW even though I enjoy AEW it's just like that discourse is not for me same same and yeah I would gravitate to older stuff too but like even with the Ring of Honor in New Japan USA like yes they have their fans but like there's no there was real there's no arguments or like anything coming up with those really it was just sort of like all right this can be my own little thing i i enjoy and i don't have to hear a thousand opinions of it thrown in my face all the time exactly exactly and and like you said same with the old stuff nobody's tweeting about royal rumble 1997 or whatever right now so you can just watch that and enjoy it on your own time or or some random japanese match or some random brunch match from 1967 that yes someone unearthed those have you ever seen any of those french matches you know what i think i saw someone like a while ago share a clip or like a link of it and i like watched it for a little bit just out of like curiosity but like start to finish or a deep dive no was just like a whoa that's crazy this footage even exists um it's like a curiosity yeah those french matches are crazy like ahead of their time in terms of like with the the mechanics of the match mechanics mechanics like yeah like mechanics um movements the, the guys are white on their feet getting ready to um be you know it, it's so refreshing to see and then people were like oh this well osprey guy he flipped around too much. Oh, these French guys flipped around in 1967. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, it is interesting to me, like something that I think, and I think fans go through these phases too, is like either they get, you know, through one way or the other, they get these ideas in their head and that really influences how they watch wrestling. But I think at the at the end of the day, is like wrestling in and of itself, part of the beauty of it is because it's, um, because there's so many different styles and because it is this illusion, I don't think there's as many hard and fast rules about what wrestling is or should be or what you can and can't do as a lot of people think or that they apply to a situation. I think it's all very situational. Um, and like, like exactly what that French wrestling thing said, like, oh, old timers didn't do this or do that. And you watch that and you're like, well, here's some video ev evidence that at least some people did. Um, so yeah, I think I think there needs to be less of those uh, demands or musts and must nots in in wrestling in general. Yeah, I agree, and like I think re wrestling is an evolutionary thing. It evolved into what it is, and some people work differently now than they did in 1967, and then they do in 1987. Well, it's also interesting just as time goes on, like stuff that was modern is now stuff you're like nostalgic for. Like who would have thought like uh, when people are watching John Cena in the late 2000s and it's like F.U. Cena or whatever else, like 
there's an entire generation that you as a fan don't think about. Like they grew up on that guy and that's who they like long for and miss as the generation before them misses Steve Austin and the generation before them misses Hulk Hogan and the generation before them misses Harley Race and Ric Flair. It just, whatever, it just is what it is. And it, and it makes me, it's so interesting out here, like the crop of indie wrestlers who are like, oh, I grew up watching Abyss on TNA and he's my favorite or just things like that. And you're like, I didn't even know those people could possibly exist just with your, you know, whatever your age is and how you, how you take in wrestling. So um, that's a lot of fun for me to watch is like these younger guys in their twenties or whatever, talk about like what their influences were. They're like, my favorite, my favorite wrestler of all time is Edge, which isn't like this crazy pick, but it's because it's like, that's the first person I saw. Like the first thing I remember in wrestling is when he cashed in the money in the bank and you're like, holy shit, you are really young. Um, Yeah. So that's, that's very fun to me to hear those influences and just how, Again, like stuff you're watching that's modern, you, you don't even conceive that it's going to be something that you're going to be nostalgic for at that time. And then years pass, and lo and behold, you become that way. Yeah, exactly. Like, like, like I, I got some heat on Facebook for saying I wasn't as nostalgic for Stone Cold Steve Austin as everyone else was because I started watching wrestling in 2005. And sure. It, was, it wasn't like, it wasn't the thing of, I don't know who Stone Cold Steve Austin is. I don't know what made him great. It wasn't that aspect. It was more, I'm not nostalgic for it. Right. Well, it's like, uh, I was uh, like Leonard F. Carson. He has uh, his wrestling podcast, Adults with Wrestling. And he talked about a couple months ago, was the 25th anniversary of the Raw in the Manhattan Center where the ECW guys show up right before Barely Legal. And he's like, it's so interesting to me as a diehard ECW fan who was watching, you know, he was watching in 94, 95, 96, people being like, that's when I had first heard of ECW. And that, and I said, well, hey, that's me. I, I wasn't, I didn't know what ECW was till that point. So it's so funny. Our perspectives are just so different because he was a died in the wool ECW fan at that time. And for him, it's hard to imagine that's anybody's first time hearing it. And lo and behold, there's a whole class of people who that is, that is absolutely the case. Exactly, and like, there's some ja- some people, even when we were talking about Japanese tapes, who were tape trading when Masao Kawada was the thing, and then I come in and say, I watched Masao when Masao died. Yeah, totally. But hey, man, I feel like it doesn't, like it's, there's, so there's that bad thing about indie wrestling too, with people who are fans of the indies who like, and this is something I really like my fandom. The reason I would do stuff like PW Pondering Chikar Special, why I do my thing now, is if I'm really enjoying something in wrestling, I want to be that person to share it and get more people on board with it. That's that's the reason why I do it. That's a big reason with Chikar when I did everything I did was to help demystify and explain some of the harder aspects of it to kind of take down that point of entry barrier. Um, but then you have those fans who like, there's people who are just now seeing Eddie Kingston for the first time in AEW. And they're like, this guy's promos are amazing. Or this guy really connects with me and blah, blah. And you can get those people who have been like, well, where have you been for the past 15 years, years or whatever? 20 years. Right. Yeah. And I'm that guy like, look, it doesn't matter if you were an Eddie Kingston fan when he came in 2002 or you're Eddie Kingston fan in 2022 and you're seeing him for the first time. Everyone's welcome. Everyone's on board. Welcome to the club. That's my perspective on this. Yep, exactly. And the fact that people argue about it. it and it's like, just why? Like, what does that achieve? I don't understand. I, I don't know. It's just a macho contest at that point. I guess. It's, it's this weird thing. And this happens with all sort of nerd cultures is trying to be the smartest or the coolest or whatever. And it's, it's awful. You'd think by this point we'd be over that shit. Oh, yeah. And we're not because we're insecure about our own cute coolness. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's unfortunately the case, but hey. Hey, hey. We, we, we found the good people in wrestling and you want to keep them close and, and that's what you got to do. Just ignore the other people. All right. All right. I think that's a good way to end. <laughs> honestly, <laughs> honestly, your plugs. Um, not a whole lot. So like we were talking about, I, I review New Japan's USA branch and uh, Ring of Honor over at KevinNashFord.com. 
but I do have some like plans kind of going in my head for maybe covering some more of that 2000s independent stuff at some point like uh like we were talking about some of modern wrestling irks me in some ways um so as part of me it's like I'm gonna go back to my 2000s wrestling cocoon just live in there for a while cocoon. just in my world um but I also do uh podcast about television uh, shows over at entertherealworld.com that's r-e-e-l um myself and jerome kusan who helped co-found pro wrestling fonderings we're doing that now um and yeah we're going to be talking about better call Saul when it comes back soon as well as barry so very excited about that Ooh. and uh, yeah and so anytime i do new stuff i always will post about it over on my twitter at kford13 so that's really the best place to follow me when i got a new review a new podcast whatever i'm going to post about it on my twitter a413. You can follow me on Twitter at DJD Kooks. I was tweeting today about Clayton Kershaw. Uh, I, this is the first time I've been using Twitter since the month hiatus. Um, Clayton Kershaw not getting a perfect game. <laughs> I'm not well, hey, You at least got baseball back, so could have been. You got baseball back. Yeah, so. at, least, at least that happened. And like, wait. Follow me for my internet and GM Great Match Pod for my Great Match Generator podcast. Uh, we review four great matches every week. Me and my friend, not every week. We try to record every week and we know it's not possible. Um, but every like two weeks or so, me and Adam Yuri yak it up and watch some great matches. We're up to episode, we're going to be up to episode number 20. We're up to episode number 23 on the Social Suplex Podcast Network, where you can find this one. And you can find all the great podcasts over at Social Suplex Podcast Network, such as Keeping It Strong Style, One Nation Radio, and All Things Elite, as well as so many great podcasts. Podcasts. My God. So thank you for joining me, and thank you for listening to Meet the Press Slam. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.